there are three great images of Christianity absolutely must be woven in to the fabric of your life. In fact, if you do not weave these three images into the fabric of your life, it's going to make you weak and it's going to make you very easily torn. Now, here, here's what has happened. Here's what happens to all, almost all people. You focus in on one of these threads. And the three threads are this. We've got the courtroom thread, the battlefield thread, and the aim thread. So, so if, if you, what does the Bible have to say about life? What is the experience, the human experience through this life for the Christian? It's a courtroom, it's a battlefield, and it's an aim. And all three of these must be woven in. And if they're not, it's going to make you fragile. And when suffering and pain and loss and heartbreak and failures come into your life, you will be very easily ripped. But if you take these threads of the courtroom and the battlefield and the aim, and you weave them throughout everything that you're doing, what you're going to find is it's making you strong, it's going to make you sturdy like an oak, and it's going to give you wisdom. Now, usually we do not grab all three threads. Usually we're grabbing one. Why is that? Well, we're in our series called The Gospel. And the word gospel means good news, great news, wonderful news, the greatest news you've ever heard, news that should be screamed from housetop to housetop, news that must be announced across the seas. And what we've been saying is that this word gospel or this news is like a diamond, not like a diamond, a diamond, but like a whole diamond mine. And in the diamond mine, each diamond represents a shard of Christ a piece of who he is, what he's done, and how it changes everything for you. And what happens, so we think about these diamonds, well, they're also like threads, and that's what we're looking at today. We're going to change from this diamond imagery to this thread imagery. And so what happens is you take these three threads, and you're more drawn to certain threads or diamonds based off of your longings, your experiences, and your wounds. So if you're someone who has tons of guilt and shame in your life, you're going to be very drawn to the courtroom thread because there you're going to find that you have complete forgiveness of all the things that you've done, even the things that you don't want the people that you love most to know about. God knows it, and he's forgiven you. Also, well, you take the battlefield. If you are someone who needs strength in your life, who needs some healing, well, you need Christ as the victorious king who comes out on the battlefield to fight for you with all of his might. Or if you're someone who's been wandering the streets of failures, this diamond or this thread that comes with Jesus as the wise king, well, he's what you need to turn your life around. So today we're going to look at the cluster or thread of this battlefield where Christ comes as our victorious king and heals us and strengthens us. So let me pray for us, and then I'm going to read our verses. Father, I ask right now that you would give words, not to me, but that these words would just be given through me to your people, 
so we might hear and be changed by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so these verses are coming from Exodus, and this is actually a song that Moses and, his, and the people of God sing after this evil king Pharaoh has been chasing them down, and he parts the Red Sea, and they pass through it. And as they come across on the other side, they see God bring these seas down upon their enemies. There's a lot of imagery here, and there's a lot of meaning behind this. So here we go, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them, and they went down in the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O God, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters pile up. The floods stood in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them, I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. But you, God, with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O God, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have ceased the inhabitants of Philistia. Now the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these three threads of the Christian life. The courtroom, the battlefield, and the aim, and we're going to look at them together collectively, and what happens if you take one of them out of your life. So if you're the type of person who's only focused in on the courtroom, you have this beautiful and amazing imagery of the courtroom where you stand as guilty, but then this heroic shepherd comes in to stand in your place, and he dies in your place. He suffers in your place. All the wrath that the Father had for all of your sin is pour down upon him and you see this in the courtroom and all of a sudden all of this sin all this guilt and shame is wiped off of you you feel free it's wonderful i thought i was coming up to preach which would have been fine too handed the microphone over to the little one um so you're you're forgiven and it's amazing 
But here's the problem. If that's, the cross becomes on replay, and I'm going to tell you this, the cross should be on replay in your life. But it should not be the only thing that's on replay because second, there's a battle that you are in every single day whether you realize it or not. And that battle is over your soul. And here's what happens. If you don't realize it, you don't realize you're in a fight. And you know, when the Bible talks about sin, oftentimes when we sin, we're doing something that we think is right, but it's actually wrong. And if you don't know that you're in a battle, you're going to keep on making that mistake over and over again. So if you you realize you're in this battle, you're called to press on and take the hill to not let your life be wasted and to overcome the world. And to do all that, you need a risen king to come and heal you and strengthen you for the battle that's before you. The question you have to ask yourself and I have to ask myself, is why do we have so little power in our life? Why does it look like we have fallen into this pit and we can't seem to get out? Like we have become victims and like we are birds who have our wings clipped and we want them to be fixed, but we don't. What's the problem? Well, we're not looking at the three threads that could fix our wings so that we might fly up out of that pit. You know, the way that the Bible describes us is to say that God has given us wings like eagles to fly up out. So the question is, why aren't you flying? And when I say that, I'm not, I'm not talking about your life being successful. I'm not talking about th- things just like are going good for you. What I'm talking about is when everything's going wrong, you're still able to fly up to the heights. That's what the Bible's after. That's what this is after. So the thread has been torn. We need it to be woven back together, but are, are, we're clipped. And so what, it, what this all means is that, well, you got to get really good at this dance or this threading, meaning when you feel guilt and shame, you go running back into that courtroom and you remind yourself sin is dealt with. Guilt and shame can be gone, but don't stay there. Then go run out on that battlefield with the strength and might of the king. And when you're running around all over the place and you're looking like a fool, you say, what is my aim? This is the third thread. My aim is to be like Christ. And so you seek to be like him. But you need all three of these. So, but today is about the battlefield. And the battlefield will bring storms. And for some of you, you can see the thunder in the, dis- the distance. You can hear it in the distance. And, and the luminous clouds are coming. And some of you, you're in the storm right now, and the rain is coming down upon you, and lightning is striking everywhere around you. And some of you have clear skies. But when it does come, and it's going to come, the storm will come, and when it does, you need something. Let me tell you what you need. You need a king that you know is in absolute control over all things. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's wonderful and, and terrible at the same time because it's confusing. The storms that you are in have been brought about by the king. However, these storms are the same storms that will take down your enemy, sin and death and all evil, and transform you. So the storm crushes your enemy, but yet transforms you. So look, look, the fabric of your life has been woven together by God. 
He's woven it in. And, but at the same time, you are doing some of the weaving, but he's the one that's in complete control. And so the mystery is, how is it that God is in complete control, yet your hand is weaving as well? And how is it that God's hand is guiding your hand to weave? And well, it's a mystery. So if you do something dumb, that's on you. But also God has allowed you to do it so that in the end he might turn you into a master weaver. Your success and failure is not by accident. Your finding love and losing love is not by accident. You being hired, you being fired, this is not by accident. You, the way you look, your personality, whether you like it or not, this has been woven into the fabric of your life by God on purpose. And so that puts you at a crossroads. When things aren't going the way that you want, you have to wrestle with this question. Is he evil in allowing these things to happen to you, or does he have something up his sleeve? And the answer is always that he has something up his sleeve. The resurrection is always what's up his sleeve. When all seems lost, even even when you are swallowed up by the great enemy of death, what you find is that within death, he has ripped a hole in the threading of death so that when you are there inside of death, there is a way out. And, and here's the thing. There inside of death, you, weave, you have woven yourself into him, something more powerful than death, so he brings you out. And so when the dark blanket of death is covering you, He's already entered in, ripped a hole in it, and then thread himself into you, and then as he passes out, you pass through it. But that also means that even the smaller things have resurrection in them. So every heartbreak, every loss, every trial, every failure, every wound, there is this horrible, terrible, dark blanket that is covering you. But also there's a rip. There's a tear where the light is coming in, and you follow that out as you have been woven into him, and he's the one that brings you out of that. So the great test of your faith, the crossroads is, is he a God who will always tear a fab, make a tear in the fabric of hurt, death, pain, loss, suffering, and trials? The answer to Christianity is yes, he is that God. He's the God of the resurrection. The God who, who is in control of all things, who has already ripped up darkness and sin and the world and death. And now all you have left to do is weave yourself into him and he takes you out through the tear. And so, you know, some of you have it harder and some of you have it easier. Why is that? I don't know. You could just ask, why doesn't God just take you in your mother's womb and make you his and then take you home? But he hasn't. We don't pick the place we are born, the people we are born to, the time that we are born into, and the situation we are born into. We have one decision to make. What will we make of the king? And if you make something of him, and you take this truth of the courtroom, the battlefield, and the aim, and you weave yourself into the, weave those into you, what you're doing is you're weaving him into you. 
And see, you can't separate the good news from him. He is the good news. The courtroom is not good news until he comes into the courtroom and deals with sin. The battlefield is not good news until the king shows up who is victorious over all things. So you have to decide what you're going to make of him. Because only he can rip the fabric of all that is wrong with everything. He's the only way. So you weave yourself to him. And when you do... You discover him not only to be the king who is sovereign and in control of all things, but also you find him to be the healing king and the strengthening king. So now we're turning to the healing king. And here, I'm not so much talking about physical healing. I'm talking about the spiritual and emotional healing that comes when you are healed spiritually. You are out on this battlefield of life, and you have been wounded by your sin. You've been wounded by the sin of others. You've been wounded by evil, by darkness, by pain, by suffering, by loss. In him there is healing in all of these things because he is life. And because he is life, he will always reverse all that is wrong. If you will sow yourself into him. Because think about this. Here's what he's done. He sows himself into death. And then he is pierced. And because he is pierced, because he's woven into death, that means death is now pierced. And as he is pierced, death begins to die. Sin begins to die. All that is evil begins to die, but he does not. And so as it dies, it lets loose of him, and because he is life, he breaks up out of it. Something has thrown you into the pit on the battlefield. And if it hasn't, somehow, at this point in your life, it will. And he's your only hope. Broken heart. Someone you love hurts you. You hurt someone you love. And the pollution of that is, is destroying you. Trials, whatever they are, they're coming. So what do you do about it? Well, oftentimes what people do is try to ignore the pain. Try to pretend like it's not there, like it's maybe not so bad, or try to escape it through drugs or sex or alcohol or success or spending endless hours working so you don't have to think about what's hurting so bad. And do you know what Jesus is doing? He's inviting you deeper into the pain. He's there at the bottom of the pit, there in the darkness, and he's waiting to meet you there so that he can go with you into the places in your soul that you do not want to look in your heart and in your mind, and he wants to go there with you at the heart of where the wound is, at the core of it, and then he wants to heal you there. Jesus is not interested in band-aids. He's interested in battlefield surgery. So he heals you by inviting you to look at what has hurt you the most. And there with that wound opened up, he goes to work. And look at this. So Jesus comes on the scene. And in his first sermon he gives, it's from Isaiah 61. And what he's saying is Isaiah 61 is about him. So let me read it to you. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All right, and then here's what he does. He goes on, or these verses go on, and as they go on, it says that those who he has rescued and healed, 
Do you know what they become? Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. It says those people will rebuild the ruined cities of all the earth. In other words, those who have been most wounded, those who are hurt the most, those who need the most healing and have been healed by him are those who will bring about the most healing in the world and bring about the most good. And then we take, take, take sin. He's come to heal you from that wretched sin of yours. And it's not just that you've been forgiven. He has forgiven you. The courtroom we saw last week, he comes as the shepherd who suffers and dies in your place. You are fully forgiven. But there's more than just that. There is an internal healing that happens. When he takes you by the face and he says, I know all that you've done. And look at me. I love you still. And my love for you will not fade. I am relentless in this love. And when you hear that, it, it heals you. It's like the healing balm of his words that heals you from the inside out. And that changes you to bring some great in the world. Now, let me tell you something. So there's a story about Joseph and Judah. So Joseph gets most of, most of the, well, he gets most of the story. So Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. They actually throw him in a pit and then sell him into slavery. And some horrible things happen to him because of this. One, he's got to be heartbroken that his brothers have done this. But what the, how Genesis ends is that what your brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. God brought the storm about, and he brought good out of it. And he, this is, he's the God of the resurrection. Now watch this. However, Judah actually becomes the hero in the background so Judah is the one, one of the ones who sold his brother into slavery. And what happens is there's some point in Judah's life where he realizes the depravity of himself, what he has become. And he turns to God and pleads for forgiveness, and he, he, he gets it all. And it transforms him. And the end of Judah's story is we see that while he sold his brother Joseph into slavery, his youngest brother Benjamin is about to be taken into slavery, and Judah offers himself in his brother's place. And it's because of Judah doing that that God decides he is going to bring the Christ, the king, the healing king, through the line of Judah. Because Judah saw his sin, and then saw the healing that God brings him, Christ is delivered through him. The same is true for you. When you experience the depth of forgiveness, not just the courtroom forgiveness, but like the deep healing forgiveness, you deliver Christ to the world around you, out on that battlefield. And he also heals you from the world and the evil within it. John 1633, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Like, he's not pulling back any punches. You will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So the world evil, it rips you up. But he comes on the scene as the healing king who knits you back together. Now, now, here's the thing. It's by 
your wounds that he gets in. You're opened up. You're closed off to him. You're sealed shut to him until your wounds become exposed, and then that's where he gets in. All the brokenness in your life, all the wounds, all the sin, all the shame, all the guilt, all the ways you've messed up, your failure, your loss, your heartbreak, that's where he gets in. And then do you know what he does in there? He heals you, but also he sows himself into you. So now you're stronger because you have now the strength of the king. And that's our next point, the strength of the king. Listen to this, Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Please understand this. This is about his strength, not yours. Those who are the strongest are those who are most aware of their weakness, aware that they need him and cannot do this without him, and so they reach for him, the strength of the mighty king who parts the seas, and then they have him. So it's not their strength, it's his strength, but he shares that strength with them because he's woven into them. So the bravest out on the battlefield, the one who's on the front lines, it's not because they're brave, it's because they have faith in him. Because the, the person of faith knows that the safest and most comfortable place on the battlefield is the front lines because he is on the front lines. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name, and he fights for his people. He throws the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is your strength and your song. So you live out this battle song, and here's what your song is. This is what Moses is singing. It's a song, and the song is that he has parted the seas of sin and death so that you might pass through with him. And as you get to the other side, you look back at your enemies who've been chasing you down, death chasing you down, evil chasing you down. And what he does is, with the swiping of a hand, he brings that death, that watery death, down upon all that is wrong with the world. But it doesn't end there. That's what Moses sees. Fast forward to Jesus. Then, as you stand there, after you've seen those waters brought back down, Jesus jumps into the waters, and he swims down into the deepest abyss, and there he breaks a hole in the ground of the ocean, and it splits open, and it becomes his grave, and he gets swallowed up. But then he breaks through it, he rises up out of that grave, and then the seas, the watery seas of sin and death and all evil begin to sink down into his grave. And the great, his own grave is what begins to swallow up all these waters of sin and death. The waters are not rising, but they are coming down. No matter what it feels like in your life, the waters are coming down. And eventually the waters will be fully sucked into the grave of Christ. And all that is wrong with the world will be gone. And that means that there is victory in the end. And that means that if you know the end of the story, you can have strength right now. You can have confidence right now. And you've got to realize, too, that there are much bigger things at play than you can see. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We've got to wake up and fight. 
And the question is, what are we fighting for? And that's a lot to do with next week, but we are fighting for the king and his kingdom of love and joy and peace and hope. And in the end, when your fighting is over and he calls you home, there is one last enemy to defeat. It is death. And as you come and approach death, what you find is that death has already been defeated. And you can dance and sing on the grave of death these words from the Bible. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? There's a victory in Jesus Christ on the battlefield. Because he has come down from the Mount of Heaven. And there at the base of the mountain, he stands against all of his enemies. One man, the base of the mountain, surrounded by all the enemies. And you watch as the enemies charge, but then you realize something terrible. You are part of those who are running at him. You are on the side of his enemies. And you run and you see him fall. And as all you with all his enemies Go to leave. As he's dead, the earth starts shaking and the mountains start roaring and the ground splits open and he falls in. But then there is a great light and he rises up out of that earth. And then he calls you by name and he says, Come to me and switch sides. Come meet me. And you meet him and you see his grace and his love, and you are moved by what he's willing to do for you. And so you switch sides, and you grab your sword, and you fight against everything that's wrong with this world. All evil. You fight against sin in your life. And the victory is promised in the end. Let's pray. God, we pray that we would see and know and believe what is at stake. That it's much more than we thought. And though at times we have clarity about it, we forget. So please remind us every day that we are fighting out on the battlefield, but also remind us we are not alone, but we have you, our victor. The one who stands in our place and fights for us. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we want to know all the reasons why we should worship you, so show it now to us. Don't let our hearts and our minds be escaped from you, but come and chase us down like our king, our healing king, our strengthening king. Help us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.